0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America a member FDSE.
1: Uh, time to talk football now, and uh, joining me is Chris Milicic, to do just that, the uh, coach at uh, Takapuna, former New Zealand under-20s coach as well. G'day, Chris. How you doing? Good, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Good, and uh, good to see the Phoenix back to winning ways because they've had a habit of playing good football, scoring goals, getting ahead in games, and then um, throwing it away.
0: Yeah, look, it was good to see them uh, get a result. Uh, You know, the last five games, they've lost two and drawn one and won two. So it's it's pretty erratic. And I'm sure they're going to want to go over the next sort of nine-odd games to the end of the season to get a run of really positive results as they push to make the top six.
1: Yeah, I mean the the whole league has been a bit erratic to be honest, isn't it, um Chris. If you look at it and you look at the way the table is, I mean that 3-0 win uh for the Phoenix has them currently sitting in fifth place on 24 points. Um I mean the bottom of the league's only 8 points further back and the top of the league's 10 points up, so it's actually quite a congested league and everybody bar Melbourne City at the top have lost at least four games.
0: Yeah, look, it is a really congested table and, you know, nine games, 27 points to play for. Even Western United, who are currently sitting 12th in the competition, uh, could easily push themselves into the top six um, with a with a run of really, really good positive results. And nobody's actually sitting there saying, look, we're going to win the five, six, seven or eight games in a row at this stage. There's so many wins, losses, draws and everybody's sort of record that it's going to be very, very difficult to pick who's going to be in the top six and which sort of position they're going to be in. And even Melbourne City, I'm not 100% sure that they'll they'll be in the top six, obviously. I'm not sure that they, they can win it because they should win it. Uh, but there are times when you just look at the, even their results in the last five, they've had two draws and a loss. So not even they are really humming along with plenty of wins and plenty of three-point
1: results. Yeah, I mean, there is some correlation to last season, isn't there? Because Melbourne City was, were, were cruising at the top of the table and then got to the end of the season and lost the grand final against Western United. So they have got form for doing that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, the weird thing about the A League, which is one of the very few leagues apart from the, probably the one in the MLS, etc., it has a playoff system. So really, winning the league doesn't seem to gain you any benefits apart from you get some home home semi-finals and you miss games, etc. But it's no guarantee you're going to win it. And a team that comes, you know, sixth and suddenly get a raft of wins, uh, sure, it's more difficult for them. But there is just as much ability to win as uh, as a team that comes first in the league. So. Um, I'm, I'm going to be interesting to see what Melbourne City do over the next sort of period, um, whether they sort of rest a few players, take a couple of losses, and then kick themselves so they get real momentum heading into the playoffs so that they can actually go through and win the grand final. Surely they want to win the grand final, uh, whereas teams that are sort of chasing them. I mean, I look at the table right now, and Wellington Phoenix are playing Central Coast Mariners next up, and if they win that, um, they would be on the equal points, and the goal difference would probably allow the Wellington Phoenix to... Uh, get closer and closer to where Central Coast could easily find themselves sitting in third if if they beat Central Coast Mariners.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a tight league, all right, mate, tight league. Hey, uh, no A-League, Liberty A-League this weekend. Um, There is a uh, women's international window, and that means the Football Ferns have been in action, and there's about five of the Phoenix women's team in that Ferns side. Um, I think... You know, against the US, the top team in the world who won the last two World Cups, you can forgive a couple of uh, reasonably one-sided losses. But when you're at home against a team in Portugal who are only two places different to you in the standings, you can't be losing 5-0. That was ugly, mate, and it doesn't uh, bode well for the World Cup.
0: No, we've probably got two, maybe three proper games left before the World Cup kicks off in June. And currently at the moment, there's no clear playing model. There's no clear... Uh, ability in possession. Their their marking defensively seems to be lacking understanding and they're really a team that uh, looks a bit rudderless and leadership or directionless is probably a better word. Uh, But then again, the football ferns, no matter how many Olympics have been to and World Cups again, they don't exactly win a lot of those games and unfortunately I feel the women's game worldwide is actually walking and running away from where the football ferns are currently placed. And so maybe that is a true indication of where the football ferns are in relation to some of the the better nations around the world as they take women's football more and more seriously.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at that team, I know you're on the outside looking in, but I mean, what would be the first thing that you would do as a coach with that team on the on, on the you know, on the practice field?
0: Pretty much make them very clear what their roles and responsibility in defensive positioning around the around the field, especially in around the defensive third. Uh, When you've got opposition players tucking away balls with nobody within three to four meters of them, there's obviously a miscommunication or misunderstanding of how and when and why you've got to be there. So there was a simple goal. I think it might have been the fifth goal against Portugal. uh, You know, we got caught in possession. A woman goes down the line, she crosses the ball, and the player on the far side just runs in and taps it in, and the player tracking back is nowhere near her. And so my question is then, well, whose role and responsibility was it? Who's going to get there? And when should they be moving? So it's, maybe it's not a coaching issue. Maybe it's an understanding issue. But to suddenly go to a back three and then say you want to have a new style of playing or a new system, well, you've got to do a tremendous amount of work on the defending side, especially in around your box. Because at international level, if you make one mistake, it's a goal. Um, and we've got to keep goal games really tight. So to do that, you've got to defend first. And the one thing about when you learn how to defend properly within a system, you actually have the ability to have a platform for you to attack. At the moment, the possession seems a little off the cuff, but it's off the cuff because there's no real defensive structure in there that says, right, when we win the ball, these players are here, and this is how we're going to use the ball to play our way out of these areas to become far more dangerous in attack. Um, we New Zealand... Can't open themselves up and think we're just going to outplay teams when a lot of the teams are physically and uh, tactically better than we are. Well, I'll tell you an example. We were—I was lucky enough to go to Barcelona recently, and I saw the women's uh, facility there that they've got the Barcelona. Uh, there's four perfectly manicured fields. There's a gym right back to it, and we watched one of the Barcelona players, obviously coming back from an injury. And her movement and what they were making her do, she was flowing. And the one thing from me as a coach, if you see a team and players are flowing, they have an ability to kick the ball, they move the ball, and everything goes smoother. Um, I'm not sure that the New Zealand players we've got are currently in those environments, which is developing them physically to the same level. So we've got to actually be smarter and make sure that we're clearer and really buried down into the nuances of a system. And I'm not sure just chucking a system out of the blue in an international game uh, is going to work without what we saw the other day, a 5-0 uh, loss.
1: Yeah, now, when Yitka Klimkova took over, I thought I noticed a different, a, a, a change from the football ferns. I thought they tried to play a more attacking uh, type of game than they had done under, say, Tom Samani. They looked to get forward a bit more. And, uh, the signs, I thought, were positive when she took over, but it seems to have sort Of gone backwards in the maybe in the last six months or so, and I know you know there's been the talk about whether Abby Ursic is going to be available or not. Um, Rhea Percival hasn't been around because she's been recovering from an injury and she's one of our better players as well. I mean, what do you put that down to? Ultimately, it stops with the coach, doesn't it?
0: Yes, and no, but I believe that the football firms have not been reinvigorated over the last four to six years with new young players coming through. A lot of these players have been involved with the ball teams for a considerable period of time. Uh, There's been no refreshing of the player base as such. They've tried at times. Some players are obviously getting well past uh, their useful playing date and they're still there. They want to go to a home World Cup. Completely understand, agree to that. So probably coaches over the last four to six years have not done the correct thing by continually replacing players within the environment. It is becoming more and more difficult in the international sense. You know, you look at contracts for players, and they're kind of there. They're trying to be part of the setup to remove them and to bring younger players in. Is, and all teams are starting to struggle this, and seems to be mainly into the the um, the female playing spectre where teams are struggling to refresh the teams as players see it as their opportunity to. Uh, get a living and start to move forward. So there's still the same principles of continuing to refresh your team is really important. Alex Ferguson is probably one of the greatest managers ever. Um, every year, continually renew his team and his coaching team. So he never let staleness and he never let players just rest on their lull. As soon as you are getting close to your use-by date, uh, you sold I think that sort of mentality has to come through, especially in the international game, where we've got more and more young players uh, going into decent environments. And let's not forget ourselves, uh, you know, a few years ago, we had a team that came third in the world with probably what I consider one of the world-class goalkeepers in an under-17 level. And she's not playing. I know there's all sorts of injuries and all sorts of things, but there was that opportunity. So now we're going to a World Cup in, you know, five, six months. And girls that could have got anything, maybe up to 20 internationals now are still sitting there with one, twos and threes. So uh, it's been a long-term issue of the refreshment of the team and, keeping up to date with the huge and enormous explosion of women's football around the world where serious coaches, serious sports scientists, and serious development of individual players is taking place, and we are probably doing nothing close, so they're actually inching in some cases and exploding away from us in other areas.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I mean I you know have talked uh, to several players, to several coaches as well about uh, the situation at the Ferns in terms of goalkeeping stocks. And I mean at the moment, on paper at least, it looks pretty good. Anna Elite has been going really well at Aston Villa in the WSL. Uh, you've Vic Esson up at Glasgow Rangers. Aaron Naylor is obviously the experienced keeper who's been around for a long, long time. You've got Lily Elfeld who's had injury problems this year but had a great season uh, with the Phoenix last year. And Bree Edwards is coming through as well. I mean, the fact that the, the first two I mentioned the Vic Essendon and and elite, aren't here this close to a World Cup is troubling, isn't it? Because, I mean, how are they supposed to have that understanding, that defensive understanding? It almost makes Erin Naylor the number one by proxy.
0: Yeah, and look, the reality, a goalkeeper at international level, is stop goals. You know, when you're conceding fives and fours and, uh, you know, what well, we had with that... three 5-0s and a 4-0, I mean, that's that's 19 goals in four games. Uh, Somebody's not doing their job. And the reality is, for the goalkeeper, stop the ball going in the back of the net. And some of the goals that are going in should be stoppable. And someone's got to be responsible for that. as a goalkeeper coach who's coming in. But the reality is, we're going to go to a World Cup with lacking experience in, in just the goalkeeper section where some players, some of the younger ones, should be getting played in this position. In my opinion. I mean, I'm not involved with the team, so it's difficult to see. But from the outside, um, I think, you know, some of the incumbent goalkeepers that have been in uh, football burns for the last four years have made the same mistake continually and are still playing.
1: Mm, yep, yeah no fear on that all right let's leave that there and talk uh, Premier League mate because uh, a few big games in the Premier League a few big storylines to follow this morning uh, Aston Villa uh, they really tested Arsenal this morning put t- uh, they led twice in that game before they ended up losing 4-2 to two goals in injury time uh, is the blip done then for Arsenal they took one from the last nine points available uh, do you think they're over that hiccup now Difficult
0: to tell, but when you see the emotion when the third goal went in, I mean, it's been cracked off the post, it's come down, hit Martinez in the head, and it's gone in, and, at the end, and they scored the fourth goal. And the emotion and the degree of almost uh, relief that you were seeing from the players this morning, I, my feeling was, ooh, they want this. They really want this. It's gone from maybe we can, maybe we can't, to they really want it. And I think they're, they're now aware they're in a dogfight with Man City right to the end. Uh, Man City then going drop points this morning at Nottingham Forest in a pretty lacklustre performance. And so, and Arsenal still got a game in hand. So if they win that game in hit, they go back to five points. So I think there's a belief in Arsenal, whether they can do it or not. Uh, <laughs> hard call. Man City are not exactly setting the world on fire, but that sense I got this morning watching that, I was quite surprised to see that type of, emotion about winning a game against a team that they should win quite comfortably so yeah I I got a sense that we're going to see something pretty cool and special over the next few
1: months yeah well Arsenal's next half a dozen fixtures in the Premier League are Leicester away Everton at home Bournemouth at home Fulham away Palace at home Leeds at home so that's not a bad run is it to bounce back from a blip
0: It's not bad, but also what I love about this part of the the Premier League is the teams that are at the bottom are now tightening up and saying, well, we're just not going to concede goals. And so the teams that want to beat them now have really got to do a job. And, yeah, I think it's going to... That's probably... It could be easier. They could have a whole bunch more mid-table teams, but they've got some teams that are sitting down the bottom. So that's going to be tough for them. Arsenal are going to have to show their mettle. But with what they did this morning, I think they could probably pick up maybe 75 80% wins in those games.
1: Chris Wood scored four of Nottingham Forest off the bench to get the one all draw against Man City, who butchered a bunch of chances. City have now dropped fifteen points away from home in the Premier League this season. It's very unpep like, isn't it?
0: Very, very much so. And and it would be difficult to put your finger on why that's happening. I, I often wonder whether the fair play might be kicking into some degree, uh, but some of the chances they're missing are are just so unlike them, you know, and you've got Erling Harling saying, oh, I'd like to go away, whether that's true or not, whether he doesn't want to be there. Um they don't strike me as a team that's really I don't know, they they j I think they still think they're just gonna win it whereas the, the point of the matter for them is I think they've got to go back to the basics and just start putting chances away. And they used to have a situation, Man City in particular, under Pep, where they were always looking for the spare man to finish chances. Now there's a few boys in that team that are trying to take people on and get shots away, and they've stopped going for, in around the 80-mile box, or they just keep passing, passing, until like someone gets a chance, and it's just a simple tuck away. So there's probably changes there that need to occur. Uh, but, yeah there's something
1: not quite right there at the moment. Yeah, there is. Um, and one of those things I think, you know, you, you mentioned it, players taking players on. It doesn't feel like Erling Haaland or Jack Grealish are particularly pep-type signings. I wonder if they, they have the director of football or the whoever runs the club that's just gone, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing fantasy football here. Um, and the other one that was really uh, was a head-scratcher for me, João Cancelo has probably been the best fullback in the Premier League um, over the last couple of years. And they let him go to Bayern Munich halfway through the season. Sounds like he must have had a falling out with Pep. But when you've got a kid coming through who's untested on one side and Kyle Walker who's nearly 33 on the other side, it's a head-scratching decision.
0: Well, it's head-scratching because it doesn't show any future proofing or any sort of future development of where they are. So the question I would have is Pep getting ready to walk. Um, or is a football director in charge of some of these signings and he's decided what's going to happen, because I was I was very confused as to why they, they signed Grealish, I mean, I would have thought they would have signed Madison from Leicester before they signed Grealish, but they signed Grealish, and he is doing okay, he's scoring goals, he's quite effective, but he's looking to cut in the whole time and shoot from that left-hand side, um, whereas Rio is Ma- on the other side is still trying to play people in, so I wonder, because, I mean, Foden's generally quite a decent footballer at coming through and finishing, they don't there are times when they give the opposition. Even today, you saw it. They, don't give, the, they give the opposition time to go. They've missed that. We've got a chance. They've missed that. We've got a chance. And uh, and they're giving them. They're making themselves susceptible to what happened this morning, which is a goal late in the game. It's a one-all draw, and then they can't win the game. Uh, teams can't continually try to win the game in the last five six minutes in desperation. Whereas before, Man City would just outplay all over the park and might be two or three up at other time. And that's becoming less consistent than what it was. Uh,
1: Finally, Chris, before I let you go, mate, um, Chelsea, nil, Southampton, one. Um, Southampton were the bottom club in the the Premier League, or they still are, actually. Uh, But Graham Potter, um, things aren't going particularly well for him. And, you know, you look at the amount of money that has been spent. um, I think, uh, what are we talking here? I've won just... Uh, two of their last 14 games, they've lost to Southampton, they've lost to uh, Dortmund, they've, uh, they've scored one goal, they've got no wins in their last four games. They currently sit 10th in the uh, in the Premier League and he's got a win percentage of just 29.41. How long has he got, do you reckon?
0: Oh, who knows, it could be tomorrow, it could be the end of the season. It depends how harsh or how hard the American owner wants to be. Um, I think that Chelsea is suffering from two things. If you have got a new owner, uh, the new owner would obviously be trying to put his plans and, and movements that he wants to see from a player recruitment in place. Uh, Graham Potter's come in. Uh, personally, I always thought Potts came in too early. Uh, he was doing really, really well, and I thought he should have stayed there. Uh, but I'm not sure that anybody could turn down a massive club with a massive offer. When I look at him on the sideline, he looks... Fairly, uh, fairly stressed, the words. <laughs> to be honest. When you see the pictures when he first walked in, he was, you know, he looked quite bouncy and he looked really sort of fresh faced, and now he's looking haggard. And it's a job that I think that for many people, it's just a little bit beyond what you can do from an emotional point of view. Um, but I'm, you know, no reason to feel sorry for him. If they fire him, they're going to have to pay him out and they'll walk into a job tomorrow. Uh, he's a very, very good coach and a very, very good manager. And he's a really good guy. He was part of my A-licence course uh, when I did it in the UK in 2008. And I spent some time talking to him, of course. He's a, he's a top top person and he'll bounce back. Um, but I wouldn't write him off yet. It depends. Giving them time, a bit like Arteta at Arsenal. If you give them enough time, they can implement their ideas. The players can get used to it. Well, you know, that changing room could be full of people that, one, don't believe should be, should be should be there, shouldn't be there, whatever, and all sorts of things need to happen. Um, they were starting a downward spiral before he walked in, clearly from people getting fired. And then you also can't ignore the fact that Southampton fired their coach last week and there's a new coach and they get the blip from having a new coach and everybody's trying to make the team again. So there's lots of things there, but he is—he could be a dead man walking at the moment, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, indeed. All right, Millie. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for your time. Go well and enjoy the rest of your AVO. eh? Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers, bye.